Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. All right, I'm glad you're uh, here. I'm glad we're here together to hear from God. Good job, ladies. Good job on the worship. Man, I love it when we come together and we worship together in the name of Jesus. And uh, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about this series. As you saw, this series is uh, called How Great Thou Art. And we're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at different hymns, like these iconic hymns that have been sung that as a worship to God. And we're going to go through those, and we're going to talk about our life of worship. We're going to talk about our life of praise, how, how we are worshipers, how God has called us to worship Him. And obviously today is this, the first message is How Great Thou Art. We're going to talk about that hymn and just pull out of that. So, hey, why don't you do this if you would this morning. Why don't you stand for the reading of God's Word. We do this every week out of honor to the Word of God, and, and we like to read this together. And so we're going to read out of Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And if you would, would you read this aloud with me? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Come on, how powerful is that? You might have heard this account before out of the Word of God. But I always love reading this. Two people, two people that are in a very tough, maybe even impossible situation. It looks bleak, but they begin to worship God. They begin to lift up a a voice. They begin to pray and, and sing a hymn to God because they knew who God was. They knew that He is a miracle worker. He performs miracles. And I just I just want us to know today that that I don't know what brought you here on this Sunday morning. I don't know if it was easy or hard. I don't know if you had an argument with the family on the way here, which we know happens often. I don't know any of that, but I know that you're not here on accident, but that you're here on purpose. And man, I want you to hear today loud and clear that we serve a miracle working God. The miracles didn't stop. When Jesus went to heaven, he's still interceding for us to the Father. He's still a miracle worker. He can still move in your life. He can still intervene in ways that that you didn't even think possible. That's the God that we serve. Let your faith stir in you this morning. Let your faith rise. That's the God that we serve. Amen. All right, man, I'm excited. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, that you move and that you minister and that you change lives. You've, you move in our lives in ways that will forever change us. We are changed not just for here, but for all of eternity. I pray that our life would be one of worship to you. I pray today that our hearts would be open, Holy Spirit, that you would speak. That we would leave here encouraged in you that we can be those that give everything over to you, that you would do a work in us. Holy Spirit, that you would move and that you would speak. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Man, what a good day. Man, that was beautiful. That was beautiful worship. Taylor did such a good job on that song. Good job, Taylor. I don't know where she said She's probably hiding. She didn't like to take any credit. But she did awesome. 
You know, I, uh, I, I feel like I always need to give an update uh, since I'm a grandfather now. I always have to give the grandpa update. Um, and so little Cal's almost, well, he's about seven months old. He's about two days away from being seven months old. He's crawling. He's pulling up. He's got a couple of teeth. So I just wanted to bring this all up to date. And, uh, and um, Shelly and I are so funny when we see little Cal, you know, we like, she's really bad. She gets Snapchats. Only, that's the only thing she does on Snapchat. She just gets from our daughter-in-law the Snapchats of Cal and kind of how he's progressing. And he's exceptional. He's, we know he's far beyond the curve and uh, physically and mentally. And so um, we're excited about that. But, uh, you know, you're always afraid you're going to have an ugly kid or an ugly grandbaby. He's not ugly. But even if he were, I wouldn't even know it. You know what I'm saying? I just, don't tell me if he is, please. Um, but, uh, you know, I was thinking about when you have kids or now that we have grandkids and your kids, when they're, when they're just coming to you and like, and just, you know, and, and they're just coming to you and they're, they're, they're talking to you and they're saying things to you. Or like, like if you're a kid, if your kids make up a song, you know, you had your kids probably come to you and make up this song or they put on a show and they're singing to you. Even if the song isn't that good, you're just like, oh, man, it's so talented. And, um, and you just, it just melts your heart, right? When they come to you, they're singing to you like it just melts your heart. You're like, oh, my gosh, that is the coolest. You're recording it. You're sending it to everybody. They're like, yeah, dude, your kid can't carry a tune in a bucket. You're like, Do you, you, this is the words. It was the words. It wasn't the tone. It was the words that were being sung. And I just love it. I can't wait, honestly, until Cal starts talking and saying our names and all that fun stuff. And, but I was just thinking about how we go to God and worship as his children. You know, we're his children. It says that we are his sons and his daughters. We've been, we've been brought into the family through a spirit of adoption. He, even though uh, he didn't have to do that, he did that for us. And as we come to God, we, you know, like we worship God. And I don't know about you, but there's probably times where you've, where you've expressed to God your thankfulness and worship. And maybe you've said that maybe it wasn't a song that's actually a song out there, but you just begin to sing to God and thank God for who he is and for what he's done. And, and, and maybe you can't carry a tune, but it doesn't matter. Because you're just expressing this worship to God. It doesn't matter in your time with God, I should say. Here, you know, that's why we turn the music up so loud is because we, we want you to just be able to sing out, good or bad. And, and so you just sing away. You're like, I can't sing. That's okay. Just sing away. We're okay with it. And, but there's also these, these songs you get in your mind, right? Like these songs that we have, like How Great Thou Art, for instance. It is these songs you get, you just can't stop singing them, the, the words behind them and the melody. It's like, it's just, it, I, this is one, I put it on repeat when I'm spending time in prayer. It just goes over and over again. I can't stop this song. It means so much to me. You know, like there might be songs we sing here that just resonate with you. You're like, when I hear that worship song, it reminds me of all that God has done. I can't stop singing. It's in my head. God, I must magnify you. And this song, How Great Thou Art, is like that. It's one of the, it's one of the, the, the best, right? Like the, one of the best hymns ever. I think they did a poll, and it was like number two right behind Amazing Grace. The most sung hymn ever, the most liked hymn ever is this one. It was How Great Thou Art. And I think everybody probably has their favorite rendition 
of the song. I mean, you probably have heard, it's been recorded over and over. You've probably heard it. I mean, I don't know. You're like, man, Taylor's today was pretty awesome itself. And the band, they worked on that together. Give the band credit. And the sound man, if he wouldn't have had it turned up just perfectly. Um, but like, you have this favorite one. I Myself, I love Carrie Underwood, Vince Gill. Man, when they sing How Great Thou Art, when I hear that one every time, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, God. You know what I mean? Come on. You don't, don't, we, don't try to be tough and mean it. I'll never cry like that. Yes, you do, you big baby. Come on, it's Carrie Underwood and Vince Gill singing, worshiping God. Everybody stands up. Yeah, people that you know aren't even saved, but they still get moved because it's so awesome. How great thou art. So that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about how great God is, not just the song. But let me give you a little history. A little history of how great thou art. If you're a history person, this is just a little segment for you, and I've whittled it down so that you can handle it. So 1885, there was a, there was a man, Carl Boberg. Carl Boberg was a seller, uh, a sailor, excuse me. He was a sailor, and then he was also a lay minister. So then he, on top of being that, he ended up in life becoming an editor and then even being part of the Swedish parliament. So this, was, this is where this really originated from. And so he was... <clears throat> He was inspired to write this poem because he was, he was, uh, he heard a thunderstorm rolling in. He hears this thunderstorm taking place. He hears the thunder. He hears this all going on, and then in the middle of it, these church bells begin to ring. So this is what happens. He hears this thunderstorm. He hears these church bells ringing, and he just begins to think about how good God is, how majestic God is. I don't know if you've ever seen a storm roll in, but it's pretty amazing. And he begins to think this. So he actually, when he hears this, he actually pins this. And it was actually called, Oh Great God. Well, a few years later, he'd written this poem. So a few, a few years later, someone takes this poem and they actually add a melody to it. So it goes from just that to now have, it's a song. It has a melody to it. So it, 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 before that, it didn't, many people didn't do anything with it. But now people would begin to sing it. So we're going to really jump forward to the, to the 1930s. So in the 1930s, there was an English missionary, his name was Stuart Hine, who heard the song. And he was so moved by the song that, that he, he began to translate it into English. And as he translated it into English, he actually began to work on it a little bit. He, he changed some of the wording and he tweaked some of the musical arrangement. And he, and he changed it up just a bit. And, and then he took it back with him to England. And there in England, it would be, it would be changed to how great thou art. Well, then jump forward a little bit more, and George Beverly Shea ended up singing the song 100 times during Billy Graham's 1957 New York Crusade. Well, if you don't know, if you hadn't read about some of Billy Graham's biography, this was a massive crusade that really did a lot and put him out there and really grew his ministry. This guy sang it over and over and over again, and then two years later, in 1959, it became the, the theme song for Billy Graham's weekly radio broadcast. This is heard by everybody all over the, the, the world, and everyone knows Billy Graham. They all would listen to his, his broadcast, and it would have this song on it. And so as we know, this song has been, well, so it's so moving. The words are so amazing. In the last 50 years, it's been recorded over 1,800 times. 1,800 times this song's been recorded. And as we well know, it's been sung all over. And it's pretty cool to think that this originated from this, this guy that was a uh, a lay minister that had been, uh, uh, he had been a sailor turned to a lay minister. 
He would write this poem, and now it has been sung all over. It's crazy, isn't it? That's how it is. This is a song that started in the 1800s, still being sang today. It's a song that stood and has stood the test of time. I love reading about these things. I love these songs. I, I love to, to worship God. And, I, and as I read this and thought about this song and thought about how many times it's been sung before I, and, and how it stood the test of time, I, I began to think, I want my worship to God to stand the test of time. We are actually, we are actually created for eternity. We're going to serve God for eternity. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're going to, you're going to serve and worship God for eternity. And I want my worship to be that which stands the test of time. I want my worship to be what I'm known for. I want people to know. I just want people to associate me with Jesus, that he's the one that gets all the credit and gets all the glory. That's how I want to be associated. If I've given my life to Christ, that's what I want. That's what my desire is. I want to worship him. And when you talk about worship, you're literally talking about something that you regard as sacred or someone that you regard as sacred. We worship God because we hold him sacred. He's dear to our heart. But there's lots of things we worship. There's lots of things we hold sacred. Sometimes, many of us, maybe we're car people, so you become known as a car fanatic. Maybe you're a sports person. You're like, I watch sports all the time. Well, maybe you're known as a sports fanatic. Maybe you're like, my political party, it's the best political party. They never do anything wrong. And that's all you talk about. You're known for your political party. I'm not saying that it's bad to like some of these things. I, I love sports. I watch it all the time. I can get lost in it a little too much. But what I want to be known for, what I want people to see me worshiping, what I want people to see me hold sacred above all else is Jesus Christ. Come on. That's what I want. That's what I want him to have everything in my life. That's what I want to worship. And, and I believe that's what God wants for us. There's lots of things we can enjoy and have fun with, but may our life be one of worship. Amen? So five things I want to talk about this, this morning that we should do if we want to live a life of worship. Number one, give your all to God. Number one, give your all to God. As we read in Acts, we see the story in this account of Paul and Silas. Now, we don't know a lot about Silas. There's not as much, near as much about him as Paul's. We know Paul's written, he actually wrote most of the New Testament as we have it today. Paul was, if you remember, was formerly Saul. And, and as he was Saul, what we see in Paul's life, to talk about holding something sacred, he actually did hold some things sacred. He held sacred the law, but he also held sacred tradition, so much that we know he would be there giving consent to Christians being murdered. That's what Saul's life was all about. But if you don't know Saul, which we now know as Paul, Paul gave his life to Jesus Christ. On the road to Damascus, he was actually struck by blindness. He hears the voice of Jesus. He surrenders his life to him. He has this, he has this connection. He has this meeting up with Jesus Christ, which many of us also have. You're like, well, I've never really met up with Jesus. Well, today is your day. You're here. I hope that you would listen and understand that Jesus cares for you, loves you, wants to have a relationship with you. And that's what happened with Paul. So Paul would no longer be about just tradition. He would no longer be just about law. He would be about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And from there on out, that's how he'd be known. From there on out, that's what he was all about. He, he had given himself fully over to God. Well, we give ourselves to God. All of ourselves to God. 
making him the Lord. Everything in our life, it centers around you, Jesus. Everything we have, I want it to be used for your glory. Everything that you've given me, you've given in me for your goodness. I want to give my all to you. And that's how they were. Every ambition, every dream, every praise, they would give it to God. Everything in their life. And that's how I want to be. You're like, that sounds a little radical. Exactly. If we are Christians, we are called to be radical. Not radical like you have to stand up on the, a table and at a restaurant and begin to preach to everybody. If so, let, text me before you do that. I want to come see it. But radical in that we surrender all to God. We no longer live for self. We live for Him. That's how they were. They were so given to God. They had given so much to God that even in the most difficult of times, they could still praise. Amen? And I can tell you, you can too. Acts 16, 23 through 24. We're going to stick mainly in Acts right there. So Acts 16, 23 through 24. This precedes what we just read. As you know, they've been, go read the whole account as they were, as this, this, this fortune telling girl with the spirit kept saying stuff and kept they just getting on their nerves. Basically, they're like, come out in the name of Jesus. I'm tired of this. And she was, she made money for, uh, for her handler. And so basically, this is why they're getting thrown in jail because they did this. And here's what happens. It says, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. But as we know, they still worshiped. As we know, they still prayed. They weren't on just the outside. They were on the inner, they were in the inner cell, the worst part. They were bound up. Man, I don't know about you, but I want my life to be in a way that I've so given it over to God that in the good and in the bad, I can still praise and declare his goodness. I can still declare that he is on the throne. I can still say, God, you have all that I am. See, when we give our all to God, even the enemy can't stop our praise. Come on. When you've given your all to God, even the enemy can't. They bound their feet. They shackled them, but they would still praise. And I believe the same thing can happen to you today. Listen, maybe, maybe you're bound today and life is in turmoil. Maybe you're like, I don't know what I can do. I've tried everything else. I want you to know there is hope in Jesus Christ. Don't give up. The man at the well had tried everything else. He thought, I mean, at the, the pool of Bethesda, he thought he couldn't get it, but he got healed. Listen, you never know when Jesus is going to show up. I'm telling you, he can take off those shackles. Just begin to praise him right where you're at. Maybe you're a Christian, but you're walking with fear and anxiety. I want to tell you something today. I don't want you to feel shame. I don't want you to feel guilt, but I do want you to know that that's not how you were meant to live. Jesus wants you to live in peace. So in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your anxiety, begin to worship God. Come on. We all can deal with it, but we also all can worship and be set free. I'm telling you, if we want to live a life of worship, one, we have to give our all to God. Number two, remind yourself of his goodness. Remind yourself of his goodness. I, don't, I can't remember if I shared this story or not, but if so, you get to hear it again. So we were at a conference and we heard something so interesting. They were talking about da Vinci and da Vinci's, they, they found a, a, a notebook, a, a diary of da Vinci's. After he died and they were they were looking in it and they were reading the different things and he had in there. He had in there something about uh, that he'd been observing the woodpecker. 
I know this sounds, this sounds kind of strange. You're like, okay. Uh, so he said he was observing the woodpecker, and particularly he wanted to know why the woodpecker's tongue was way longer than the rest of its body. It wasn't proportionate. He'd just been watching this woodpecker, just sitting and watching. Fast forward years and years later when scientists begin to really study these different birds and stuff, they, they looked at the woodpecker and they found out something interesting about the woodpecker. The woodpecker, when it is pecking on a tree, it does so with such force that it should cause brain damage. I mean, it's so powerful. But interestingly enough, its tongue goes back into its brain, wraps around its brain, and develops a cushion so that it doesn't cause brain damage. Some of us, you're like, I need that myself when I'm beating my head against the wall. But it, it literally, that's what happened. All because he observed and watched and spent time. I love that in, in the song, How Great Thou Art, it says, Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, what does it say? Consider. It says, Consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then it says, and when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. We must consider and we must think upon how good God is. We must continually remind ourselves of the goodness of God. Then sings my soul. Often you hear people, I just have trouble worshiping. I just have trouble really giving everything over to God. I, can I encourage you to start thinking more? To start considering more how good God is? See, I think our problem is we want to step into the action of the declaration and make all these things and feel all these things, but, but we have not preceded it with thinking and considering how good God is. The song makes a lot of sense. After the consideration and after the thinking, then I begin to sing how good God is. It's hard for us to praise when we're never considering and thinking how good our God is. When we're not renewing our mind, when we're not remembering who He is. Paul talks about this very practice. In Philippians 4.8, he tells us, right? He instructs us. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. We're in such a hurry, in such a rush. We're inundated with thoughts from all over culture and everything that we see that if we don't intentionally remind ourselves of His ways and His goodness, then we won't have that time where we begin to declare who He is. We'll be so caught up in everything else. We must set our minds upon the goodness of God in such a way that we can't contain what He's doing inside of us. Have you considered how good God is? Have you thought about every time that he's come through? Have you, have you seen his faithfulness and put your mind upon it? Because then you can worship God. That's why we come together in church. We come together to worship. And also we come together to encourage, not just in a building, but also in our small groups. Why? Because when we're encouraging one another, we're helping each other think and consider about how faithful God is. 
That's why we read the Word of God. It's not out of duty or obligation. It's because as you read it, you remember how good God is. The Holy Spirit stirs up within us who He is. That's why we should write Scriptures down everywhere that we can see them so we can continually be thinking about Him. Have we just stopped and looked and sat and looked at nature and looked at this and how He created that and and thought how good our God is? We have to do these things so we can be reminded of the goodness of our God. We have to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. If you want to be a, a life of worship, come on, we have to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. Number three, express your gratitude. Express your gratitude. Shelly and I, guys, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting older, 49. I'm getting 49, 50. This is, I know 50 is like, the, my, it's going to be my highlight year. So, some of you are like 50. I'm like 50. Oh, yeah, just getting started. Not really. But I, that's what I wanted. I'm speaking it in faith. Come on. And I'm getting older, so like things just irritate me more. Certain things irritate me more. Like inconsiderate people irritate me so bad. I mean, Shelly and I will laugh all the time and we'll, <laughs> because, you know, Maybe we'll open the door for somebody and they'll just walk right in, not say a word and do anything. And Shelly and I'll be like, oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm glad. You betcha. Have a good day. Or you let someone pass in front of the car and they, you don't have to let them pass and they walk. Never even give you the nod, the wave or anything. You want to just bump them a little bit with your car? Be honest. You know you do. Or at least honk. You're like, well, that doesn't sound very godly. Well, roll your window down and say, Jesus loves you or whatever after you bump him. <laughs> he still heals. <laughs> but it just frustrates me. It really does. Or it frustrates me when I, tell some, when I do something. I don't do it for this reason, but they don't even just say thank you. You're like, can you just say thank you? What happened to manners? And what's funny is like we can, we can think it. Like some, someone does something for us and we can think that we're grateful. But if we don't express and say thank you, we miss a great opportunity. You're like, well, he's God. He knows. He does know. But the expression of your thankfulness isn't just for God, but it's also for yourself. It's because you are acting upon the things you've been thinking about. You're reminding yourself of His goodness, and now you're beginning to express it to Him. See, when you remind yourself of God's goodness continually, you can't help but actually express your thankfulness. And can I tell you that our expression of thankfulness to God should be a daily occurrence. You should make time for it. You should make time to begin to thank Him. And that's what we, the text we read, Acts 16, 25-27 We read that first part. It says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. You talk about a tough situation, but it didn't stop them from expressing their thankfulness to God. You should write this down. Our situation doesn't dictate our praise. Our praise dictates our situation. You're like, I don't know about that. I'm telling you right now, be down, but then start to magnify the Lord and see what happens to your spirit. 
Let your mind be filled with all these negative thoughts, but stop and then begin to thank God. Verbally saying, God, I thank you for this. And God, I thank you for that. And watch what happens to your attitude. If you have a family, watch what happens to the dynamic of your family and the environment when you start expressing thankfulness over just negativity. Come on. I'm just telling you, it, 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 it happens. Our thankfulness opens the door to God's peace. Philippians, go ahead and read Philippians 4. I'm not going to say it, but 6 through 8 talks about how you come to him with thankfulness and the byproduct is that a peace that flows out of you. Sometimes we're like, I don't know why I'm not. I'm struggling with peace. I'm always in turmoil. Begin to thank God. Begin to express your thankfulness. I'm telling you, if we want to be a, a lifelong worshiper, one that we're known for our worship to Jesus, then we have to make sure that we're expressing our gratitude. Number four, Attribute the glory to God. Attribute the glory to God. Every victory is an opportunity to give, give God the glory. Here's our problem. I think we don't always see victory the right way. See, we have to see victory correctly. Victory doesn't mean that you'll never have hardship. But it means that even in your hardship, you have peace. Even in your hardship, you can have joy. You might be going through something and someone might say, how in the world do you have any peace? How in the world do you have joy? You say, man, listen, it's not me. It's Jesus Christ. He gives me a supernatural joy and a supernatural peace. Victory doesn't mean you won't ever fail. It just means you still keep going even in the midst of failure. Jesus didn't promise us that we wouldn't have any issues or any troubles or anything come our way. Actually, just the opposite. Victory doesn't mean that you won't have scars, but let's remember those scars show that he still heals. He still mends. They're not just open wounds anymore. They've been touched by the, the healer. See, every victory is an opportunity. And you may not always feel like you are winning, but the truth is that if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you've already won because Jesus Christ has already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's already fought the battle for you. He's already brought victory for you. I know things may be tough. I know things may be bad. I know things aren't going sometimes the way that we think they go. But can I encourage you to look to Jesus Christ and remember that He faced everything that you've ever faced and he defeated it for you and me. You have to remind yourself of this. You have to express it. Then you have to begin to attribute the glory to God. And when you say, what are people going to say, though, if they see me fail? We're supposed to be a certain way. No, you're just like, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm still trusting and following Jesus. Then you have to fight against that pride in us. That's a... Why would we ever attribute the glory to self? Oh, I'm just, I'm just turned this way. I just have, I just have, you know, I just I do pretty well in these situations. No, say, let people know, no, this is how God made me. God did this in me. Oh, where would I be without him? I attribute the glory to God. And the and the fifth one, the fifth thing we must do, the last thing, if if we're going to, to have a life of worship is. Tell others how great our God is. Tell others how great our God is. We should express our thankfulness to God, verbalizing it. And by the same token, we should express our testimony to others. 
Did you know every person that calls themselves a Christian has a testimony? Everyone. Everyone has a testimony. It's, it's you testifying to what God has done in your life. You're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if my testimony is as good as this person's testimony. What, qualif- what disqualifies you or what qualifies you to have a good testimony? Isn't it what God has done in you? There are people that have need to hear your testimony because, because they can relate. All walks of people, all walks of life. You need to share your story of what God has done for you. I was saved at 13. I didn't, I'm just going to be real. I didn't do a lot of bad stuff. I didn't get into a lot of trouble. I, I just didn't. And for a long time, you know, you hear the testimonies of people that are like, oh, man, my life was hell. Couldn't get the devil off my back. And I'm like, well, I didn't, you know, I, God, I just, I didn't really, I didn't get into a lot of sin. Maybe I should start sinning a lot more so my testimony would be a lot better. I don't know. And I remember God just showing me how I kept you out of that. I, I, I led you around that. I led you through that. I, I directed your path. And I began to think, man, God, you're so good. Because where would I be without you? What could I have maybe had to endure if you had not come into my life at such an early age? Thank you, God, for for saving me and changing me and walking me through things and around things uh, because I know the enemy could have done things in my life and tried to take me a certain way, but it's for your goodness. And some of you are just the opposite. You think you've done so many bad things. How would you ever share? But I want to encourage you that there's people that need to hear your story in the right situation, in the right setting, and it will bring freedom into their life because God moved through you. They're like, hey, if they did it for him or they did it for her, they can do it for me. God wants to use your story your testimony. Don't hold it back. We were created to magnify God, to tell others about how great our God is. As Paul and Silas would sing and as they would pray, what did it say? The others were listening. You never know who's listening. You never know who's on the other side of your obedience just to share what God has done in your life. You should share your story. What has He done for you? Acts 16, 28 through 34. The verse right before this, the jailer is distraught because he thinks he's going to lose his job and all these things are going to happen to him. And who knows what, what the repercussions were for him. But Paul knew this. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. If you go look at and read through the New Testament, Paul would tell many times about his meeting of Jesus on the road to Damascus. This, this, he knew a lot. Obviously, he was intellectual. 
But what he would share often is, hey, I was on this road and I met Jesus. He shared his story. It says that even there that they would share the word of God. And I believe when we share our word that it ministers and it changes. That's how God moves through the earth. Some of us are more vocal than others, but don't let it stop you. Don't let it stop your praise. Don't let it stop who you are. Make sure that you're sharing the goodness of God. As we heard in the song, it says, When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart, then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Can I tell you something? We're going we're gonna to leave earth. Don't be sad about it. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And for all of eternity, we're going to proclaim him. For all of eternity, we're going to sing to Him. We're going to worship Him. We're going to glorify Him. We're going to be in His presence. We're going to proclaim it. So you might as well as start now. You might as well as get used to it. Our whole life belongs to Him. It's only by His goodness that we can be saved. It's only by His goodness that we, can, that we can have freedom. It's only by His goodness that we can have victory. It's only by His goodness and His love for us that we can have and be part of the family of God. How about we begin to proclaim it and sing it and shout it and tell it and let everybody know that my life belongs to Jesus. So if we want to live a life of worship, I spell this out for you just, I think, better that way. Let's practice being great in God. And that was the G, forgive your all to God. The R, remind yourself of His greatness. The E, express your, express, express your gratitude. The A, attribute the glory to God. And the T, tell others about His goodness. It's what it's all about. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.